to the Real Marathon Podcast, the podcast where we talk about the best in film each and every week. I'm Rob Carraher. And I'm Danny Carraher. And today we are talking about the long-anticipated follow-up to uh, Michael Jordan's Space Jam, um, this time with LeBron James taking over the lead role uh, and teaming up with the Looney Tunes. And so we'll talk about that uh, a little bit later. Um, but we want to focus here um, to start the show on some of the movies that came out this past week uh, that you may or may not have an opportunity to see. Um, some of these were more limited releases. So unless you live in a big city, you're probably not going to have them um, here in the Omaha area. Uh, many of these you cannot see right now, but uh, there are a few of them, and um, I know that Danny and I, we, we saw one of those movies this week, um, so we'll have a little bit to say about that, um, but the first film that came out this week was a Netflix release on Wednesday called Gunpowder Milkshake, and um, there was a little bit of anticipation going into this release. It looks like kind of a quirky uh, action film with a female lead. Um, and right now it is sitting at a 5.7 on IMDb in a 48 meta score. So I'm not so sure it's the sort of movie that I'd be interested at all in seeing. Um, I have heard that it's kind of a fun movie, but uh, clearly not a great movie, um, given that that uh, those ratings. Have you heard anything about Gunpowder Milkshake? Danny? I was actually about to watch it the other day, um, and I like saw the just like the quick trailer for it on Netflix and I was like mm, I don't know if I really want to watch this right now um it gives me a little bit of the like an Ocean's 8 vibe I never saw Ocean's 8 I imagine Ocean's 8 was probably better I saw Ocean's 8 Ocean, Ocean's 8 was pretty good um it's hard because I really love the Ocean's movies um and it just it was didn't quite live up to that kind of standard um, but it, it was still enjoyable. Um, I, I presume that I also would have liked Ocean's 8 or like Ocean's 8 better than this, this film, uh, Gunpowder Milkshake. I assume it's the sort of movie that if you watch it, you wa you'll watch it, you may enjoy it if it's the sort of movie that you like and then forget about it. And then it will kind of go off into oblivion and people won't talk about it mm -hmm. um, next year. So uh, Gunpowder Milkshake. Um, another movie that came out this week in the theaters was uh, Escape Room Tournament of Champions. Uh, apparently, this is a sequel. And to be completely honest, I didn't even know there was a movie called Escape Room that had been released until this movie came out. And all of a sudden, they were talking about uh, the, the original movie, uh, Escape Room. Um, so I, I honestly just do not know a lot about it. Uh, I think you can kind of make a guess about what this sort of movie might be like. Um, I presume it's people stuck in like a, an escape room and then it goes horribly awry, but it is, I think kind of, of the ilk of Saw movies, um, in them having to kind of go through certain, obstacles in order to kind of save their own lives and things like that so um you know i'm again i'm kind of a sucker for horror movies i'll watch the good the bad and everything in between and so uh this is one that i might end up watching at home sometime but probably wouldn't go to the theater to see 
Yeah, right now it's a 6.1 on IMDb, a 47 Metascore. Um, so not terrible. Uh, and, um, you know, that's that probably is pretty standard for that type of movie. Um, another movie that came out in the theaters that is actually here this week that I do want to see is the documentary Roadrunner, a film about Anthony Bourdain. Um, and uh, I, I presume this is going to be an award player as we, we move into award season. Documentaries are kind of strange because um, different groups have kind of a different approach to uh, what they consider to be a great documentary. Um, and so I would not be surprised at all to see this film win some awards, definitely get some nominations. It could have an outside chance of getting in uh, at the Oscars for the documentary um, category. Uh, although I feel like more often than not, the Oscars don't go for biography uh, documentaries. That's just not the type. They do every once in a while, um, but that's just not the type of film they typically uh, nominate. Um, but it has a 7.8 right now in IMDb and an 80 Metascore, um, which that's, pre that's pretty good. So I, I definitely wound up checking this out. There's been a little controversy surrounding this film um, because uh, the, the filmmakers, they, they used technology to uh, basically recreate Anthony Bourdain's voice and um, have him say quotes that he never actually ever said. Um, and so that's creating a little bit of backlash and maybe that will hurt it in its awards run, but I guess we'll kind of, kind of wait and see, but I am excited about this film. I'm really excited about this too. And I think uh, it's always interesting when we celebrate people that I think have pretty profound effects on pop culture. And I think in terms of the travel and food uh, culture of the United States and then of the world, I mean, like, but he's kind of set a bar for how we kind of uh, interact with that. And then in terms of the controversy, I, I've heard kind of people going on all sides of that issue saying, well, people are just being outraged for the sake of being outraged about it. And so I'll be curious to see the extent to which it's used and if it's done tastefully and if it even if that sort of thing can actually be tasteful, you know, um, so I'm excited to, to see it. Yep. Um, another documentary supposedly hit theaters within the country um, or maybe around the world, uh, but uh, it is not here in the Omaha area. It is called The Hidden Life of Trees. Um, it currently has a 6.9 on IMDb. There is no Metascore yet because apparently there hasn't been enough reviews, but um, Hidden Life of Trees, I, I don't really know a ton about it. It is a foreign documentary. Uh, I presume it just is kind of a, a look into trees and kind of um, just a, a learning experience. Um, so that, that's a potential movie that I'd be interested in seeing down the line. Um, another movie that came out so in some places is called Mama Weed. <laughs> um, and it, it uh, has a 6.2 on IMDb and a 52 Metascore. Um, this film it's exactly what you think it is in terms of it, it seems like it uh, deals with drugs, particular uh, marijuana, but it stars Isabel Huppert, um, who is a pretty well uh, known foreign actor or actress. Um, she's been nominated for uh, Best Actress in, in 
I think 2017, uh, she got nominated for the film Elle. Uh, but uh, that may be the only real, real reason to be interested in this film. Otherwise, I probably will never see uh, Mama Weed. Um, then there are a couple uh, streaming or video on demand. One is called Die in a Gunfight. That has a 4.5 on IMDb. Um, not really interested at all in seeing that. Um, and then the third part of Fear Street. So Fear Street Part 3, 1666. It currently has a 6.8 on IMDb. Still is no meta score yet. Um, but, you know, now that this is the third installment of Fear Street, um, everything that I've heard is that nobody is saying that these are great. Everybody just kind of, and if people are willing to watch them, uh, then they're, they're ha- going to have a pretty enjoyable experience if that's the sort of movie that you want to watch. My gut tells me that the type of person that, doesn't like these sorts of movies isn't aren't going to pull them up on Netflix and watch them. Um, and so if you like horror movies, I probably would recommend these with, even without seeing them just because they, they seem to be pretty well-made um, and kind of have a, a tone that, that goes throughout all three of them. Yeah. Um, I think that this is just something that will be cool to see if they continue doing this style thing on Netflix. Yep. Um, in kind of three movie type releases yeah it'll be fun to kind of to watch uh if this is starting a trend for netflix now um, and then the last movie that came out this week we both of us did see it's in the theaters right now it is called pig and it is a nicholas cage movie um we saw the trailer for this i think we both kind of laughed at it thinking it might be not good uh or it w- might be just a typical uh, Nicholas Cage um, fair in recent years. Um, it is by a first-time director, uh, Michael Sarnowski, um, and the premise is pretty simple. It is a truffle hunter who lives alone kind of in the forest, and he has this pig, um, and they, they live in the Oregon uh, kind of out in rural area, and uh, somebody comes and steals his pig and he goes on a journey to try to, to get his pig back. Um, and uh, I really, really loved this film. Mm-hmm. Uh, it took me by surprise. Uh, I was not expecting to love it as much as I did. And I really did love it. I ended up giving it a nine out of 10, which puts it at toward the top of my one of my favorite movies of 2021 thus far um and i just thought it was a really special film um i also really loved it i think that it's a not a very predictable movie which is exciting you kind of it goes in directions that you're not you know you never expect it to go and um i think nicholas cage gives a pretty good performance um and I like Alex Wolf in this movie. I think his performance is good. The character growth between the two characters is really good. Um, and I give us an eight out of 10, but it's one that I've been, you, you continue to think about, I think afterward. And um, it, it has, it has upward mobility for me in terms of maybe moving up to a nine at some point. Yeah, no, I pig the, the thing about this film and I think um, these types of films, they 
they hit me a little bit differently than your typical Hollywood film because they are more thought provoking. Um, they, they tell kind of a unique story. Um, even though this is, seems to be at least on the surface level, uh, kind of the same sort of premise that we have seen in an action sort of film. Um, it, it, this film just isn't what you expect it to be. And mm -hmm. I think that that's a really refreshing uh, movie going experience. And, um, and so, yeah, I, I, I really would recommend this to anyone that uh, um, likes interesting stories and uh, is willing to kind of um, open up their mind and, and have it keep working throughout the entirety of the film. And then it, as you leave the theater, it keeps you thinking about it beyond. Um, and, and so, uh, yeah, if you have a chance to see this movie, um, I highly recommend doing it. Mm -hmm. I agree. Um, so that I think kind of wraps up our, our introduction of what movies came out this week. Um, the other big thing that, that concluded actually today, we're recording this here on Saturday, um, July 17th, and they, they just finished announcing the awards for the Cannes Film Festival. Um, and uh, I pulled up the stream of this so I could watch it. Um, and it was kind of interesting because it, since it is a French festival, the stream was completely in French and had no English subtitles. And so it was kind of fun to just watch and, and try to piece together uh, what was going on. A lot of the people that were speaking spoke English, but it was weird because they put French like interpreter over the top. So, so it was mm -hmm. a little bit hard to hear uh, what they were saying in English. Um, but it was a cool experience, something that, uh, you know, when we, when we, taken film here in the United States, everything is driven by the English language. So even if it is a foreign film, we know that they're going to have English subtitles. Um, and I think that, that a lot of times language is such a barrier that we don't get to experience some of the best film that the world has to offer. And there are certain things that just never make it to us. Um, and that's that's unfortunate, and I'm I'm hoping that my interest in some of these foreign festivals will help um, highlight some really great filmmakers that uh, will open up a world of film that I I have been somewhat blind to for for many many years. But what was pretty funny about uh, this award ceremony is because you have all these different people that speak all these different languages and they're all trying to kind of communicate. Um, you have Spike Lee, who was the president of the jury. And uh, so they bring out the jury and they are trying to communicate between uh, each other. And um, so they're having Spike Lee uh, introduce what award is going to be presented next. And he accidentally spoiled the Palme d'Or before announcing anything. And he announced the winner and everybody in like the jury started freaking out. They're like, no, 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 no. And he just looked distraught. He was like, couldn't believe that he, he blew it. And so oh, no. before any of the other awards were given, uh, we already found out that Titan won the Palme d'Or. 
Um, and this is directed by Julia uh, DeCorno. And uh, she was the director of the film Raw from 2016. And this film, uh, Titan, really is not going to probably be the sort of film that is going to be received well by a wide audience. Uh, apparently, it is a pretty graphic film, which does not surprise me at all, given the fact that Raw was a very graphic film. Um, but uh, from everything that I've heard about this, it is a very creative vision um, and people that really enjoy cinema and the craft of that um, have a lot of appreciation for this film. Um, one of the cool things about this film winning the Palme d'Or is that Julia uh, Ducournau is only the second woman ever to win this award at the Cannes Film Festival. Um, and so it's pretty impressive. Um, and yeah. I am really, really, really excited to see this, this movie because I loved Raw. Raw is probably one of my favorite films of the 21st century. And um, I, I fully expect this to be uh, just as excellent. Yeah, Raw was fantastic. And uh, I think more than anything, even if I'm not uh, a huge fan of the story of Titan, I probably will at least appreciate the craft of it. And I, I get so excited when there's new filmmakers that I can look forward to seeing what they make in the future. Like that is what gets me really excited about movies is just seeing how it's, it's tracking and following directors to see what they make next. And she's definitely one that like years from now, I wouldn't be surprised if we're, we, we respect her as being this director that has a collection of really stellar movies that she's made, you know? Yep. I, I totally agree with that. I think that she's just that sort of kind of visionary um, and, uh, you know, that's, that it's cool to see kind of the, the birth of some of these, uh, these filmmakers becoming, um, something so much greater. And I think festivals, when you really have your pull, your finger on the pulse for these festivals, um, you have the ability to see some of these, these folks come, come to light. Um, and you know, that's, that's pretty cool. Uh, the other awards, um, I'm just going to kind of go through these a little bit. Uh, the Grand Prix Award, which is technically for second place, uh, they ended up splitting it between the film A Hero in compartment number six. A Hero is directed by Ashgar uh, Farhadi, um, who is an Iranian director. And I would say uh, I, the, my perception is that he's sort of kind of like the um, Steven Spielberg of Iran. Uh, where he makes a great movie every single time that he uh, he, he puts one out. And um, he has been nominated for a lot of Oscars for uh, foreign film. Um, and this is the sort of film, a hero, I think it probably is going to be a favorite to win best foreign or international film at the Oscars this year. Um, so that is a movie to keep an eye on. I don't know that much about compartment number six. Um, that could also, uh, these top three films could all be players for the international film at the Oscars. Uh, but uh, I think a hero probably is going to be a favorite just because uh, Farhadi has been 
uh, included in this category many times. And I think the Academy will continue to go back to him as long as he keeps putting stuff out. Then they have the jury prize, which is given to kind of more of an inventive or innovative vision. Um, and they also split this one between uh, Memoria uh, and uh, Ahed's Knee. Um, and, and yeah, both of those films uh, have received a decent amount of praise. Uh, Best Director went to Leos Carex for Annette. Um, and, uh, that's probably going to be a little bit more on the map. That's going to be a movie that, uh, people in the United States see simply because it has Adam Driver as its main character and, um, it's a musical. And so, yeah, that, that's going to be a fun one. Uh, they gave best actress to Renata, uh, Rains, um, and, she is in the film, The Worst Person in the World, which also got a lot of acclaim uh, and got picked up by Neon. So uh, that should be here this year. Um, best actor went to Caleb Landry Jones for Nitrum and he plays a mass shooter. Um, and so uh, it could be a very interesting. And then the best screenplay went to Drive My Car. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know that this year provided any, um, movies that are probably going to be big best picture players at the, the Oscars. If you look at Palme d'Or winners, um, only about half the time do they actually ever get nominated for any Oscars and only two have ever won best picture. I think only seven or something like that have uh been nominated for best picture so it, this just isn't the platform for those types of films um i think that uh the best chance for oscar nominations coming from from can is uh in the international film category because mm -hmm. i think there's a true highlight of um kind of the best that the world has to offer um and really puts them on a platform yeah, I think, too, that a lot of times the Best Picture nominees in the United States are uh, more just trying to make their movies more accessible, or, or at least um, those seem to be the ones that uh, get picked more often are ones that a majority of people in the United States can follow and understand, and which is not always the most exciting movie, I would say, you know. Um, I would be surprised if a movie like Titan, which I, I haven't seen, obviously, but just based on the premise, I'd be super surprised if it got nominated, just given it doesn't sound like your typical best picture. And that doesn't mean that it's not a bad movie. It just means that the United States is particular about the movies that we nominate. Yep. And I agree with that. Um, with that said, the last Palm d'Or was Parasite and that went on to win best picture. Um, so it, that may be, maybe more now, now we are going to be entering into an era where films are recognized more from some of these festivals and may get included. But like, like you said, um, I would be very, very surprised if Titan ends up making it to uh, the, the best picture uh, category. Um, and yeah, I, I think there's a chance it gets nominated for international film, but even that I'm not even so sure that, uh, uh, the Academy is going to be on board with that. 
Um, so that's kind of what we have for the Cannes Film Festival. Uh, we are going to be heading into the fall where there are going to be a lot more festivals and we're going to have more award players involved in those festivals, stuff like the Venice Film Festival, which has uh, a great track record of being an Oscar predictor, um, Telluride, Toronto, New York Film Festival. There's a lot coming up that, uh, so we'll, get, we'll kind of get a better idea of what may be a player um, as we head into those fall festivals. Um, before we take our break and head into our Space Jam uh, New Legacy review, uh, was there anything else that you saw this week, Danny, that uh, you wanted to say a few things about? Um, I saw the movie No Sudden Moves, or No Sudden Move recently, um, and that is a Steven Soderbergh movie uh, that is out on HBO Max. I gave that a 7 out of 10. I think it's a really solid movie, um, definitely a noir-type style movie. The, the plot gets complicated and complicated and more complicated as you watch it, but the um, performances are, are interesting um, and engaging and it's really fun to see this cast of actors including Don Cheadle and Benicio Del Toro um, and a surprise uh, performance that shows up at some point in the movie that I won't say and maybe maybe they put it on the marquee but I was not ready for this person to show up and I was like what it was exciting so um, yeah I would I would recommend checking that out uh, and I think it, it also has some cool commentary that's involved in, in that movie. Another movie that isn't new by any means that I re-watched recently was uh, Blood Simple which is the first Coen Brothers movie um, and I'm a huge Coen Brothers fan. They're probably my, my favorite directors um, but Blood Simple is their very first movie and if you like the Coen brothers, I would recommend seeing Blood Simple because it's, even though it's their first one, it's still as much of a complete uh, example of their directorial abilities um, early on. So um, yeah, those, that's what I've been watching recently. Uh, I didn't get to catch up with the, anything else this week, but uh, every once in a while, I think it's fun to kind of go back and take a look at some of the uh, movies that we have been watching, even if they aren't brand new or the rewatches, um, just to highlight some, some of the good movies that are out there and uh, that are worth watching. If folks haven't watched it uh, prior to its it initial release or prior to um, kind of us talking about it. So uh when we come back from this break, we are going to be talking about Space Jam New Legacy, uh, which can be streamed on HBO Max, or you can go see it in the movie theaters. So stick right there. No, wait, wait, I wasn't, I wasn't trying to start it. We rapping now? We rapping? Hey, Porky. Fry him. Fry him? Me? me? Who you really are, notorious P.I.G. Oh, oh boy, here goes nothing. What up? It's Porky Pig. They call me P Double L G. Step to me, he don't want no trouble. Yeah. I was famous before the internet. Since 1935, I've been getting respect. 
This pig is lit. I'm super legit. Every time I'm out in public, people asking me for pics. You, nobody knows you when you walk the street. How your last name, rhythm, and you're still off beat. From oh, beginning me. to the end, I'm here for all the smoke. Your squad ain't all star, your squad is all jokes. All and jokes. just with one bar, most famous of all quotes. This battle is now over, the that, that's all, folks. And we are back, and you just heard a clip from the most recent movie we are reviewing today called Space Jam, A New Legacy. Um, this is obviously a, uh, not reboot, but another addition to the Space Jam movies based on the uh, Michael Jordan Space Jam movie that uh, we both loved when we were kids. And um, I think one thing that we'll talk about with this is thinking about putting ourselves in the frame of mind of being a kid, seeing a Space Jam new legacy today. And really, does that meet some sort of, uh, you know, did, did it meet the requirement of being good for a kid's movie in that way? So um, with that, I want to know what were your thoughts on Space Jam new legacy? So we we scheduled this uh, kind of with the idea that this might be a hate watch um, where it just looked bad um, and that it may not be a very enjoyable watch. Um, and so we fully anticipated that uh, we probably weren't going to like this. Um, I actually was pleasantly surprised with how fun this movie actually is. Uh, I... I, it wasn't as cringy as I thought it might be. And a lot of that is because the movie recognizes exactly what it is. It is not trying to be anything spectacular, groundbreaking, something new. It knows its audience. It recognizes that this is trying to capture some of that nostalgia that uh, the original Space Jam has for um, many people. And uh, because it takes that approach, it makes it a far more enjoyable movie to watch uh, than I was anticipating. I expected to absolutely trash this in this review, um, and uh, I'm not going to entirely do that. With that said, it's not a good movie. Um, it, it, it's not good by any any measure. I ended up giving it a four out of ten, um, and I, I I had considered even giving it a five, but I just couldn't bring myself to do it. Uh, the acting is subpar. Uh, the dialogue is awful. Um, yeah, the story is basic. Uh, it, it, I think it has a little bit better narrative than the original film. Um, but, uh, like there just isn't a lot that you can give the movie credit for when it comes to being, um, crafted well uh the 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 graphics the visuals um are kind of all over the place because it's doing a bunch of different things and so it's hard to say that they're particularly great mm -hmm. um but uh overall this is the sort of movie that if you have kids um 
that it'd be a fun movie to sit down and watch with your family. Um, I, I think about myself as a child and how much I loved the original Space Jam. And I haven't seen the original Space Jam in many, many, many years. So I can't really compare it uh, in terms of um, kind of the craft of the original Space Jam. My gut tells me that this movie and the original Space Jam are probably very, very similar in terms of uh, their production. Um, and so I, I think about myself as a child, and if I were a child today, I would probably love this movie. Um, it's just a lot of fun, and uh, you get to see a bunch of characters and, and actors and LeBron James, and that's just an exciting thing for kids. Um, and so, yeah, yeah, I this is a weird movie to be reviewing, and we probably aren't going to review very many movies that are like this on this show. Um, and I think it's fun to do every once in a while, uh, simply because it forces us to look at it from a slightly different angle and mm -hmm. say there is some value in this movie, despite it not being a good movie. Yeah. That's the, I, I agree with a lot of what you said. I also gave it a four out of 10 stars and I felt bad about giving it a four out of 10 stars because I actually did feel like, like to your point, this, this movie knows what it's doing. It's not, I don't think it's trying to be a good movie at all. And uh, I think it's literally just trying to entertain. And there are some entertaining moments, you know, I was, I was laughing at points, but um, the, I would say the, the visual effects, partly because they have so many like different um, properties, uh, Warner Brother properties that they're trying to represent. And then they uh, are also kind of playing with re- changing the Looney Tunes aesthetic. So they're not that kind of two-dimensional. They made make them more three-dimensional. That kind of looks funny along with the animated versions of Damian Lillard and all of the other basketball players that are in it. And it just, nothing really jives. It just feels kind of a, like a, a cluster of a bunch of different uh, styles of animation in a way. Um, I think about the thing that Martin Scorsese says about, you know, his critique of uh, the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and he compared it to like amusement parks. And I disagree with that to some degree on the Marvel Cinematic stuff. I think you can, there's some legitimacy to that, but this is definitely like an amusement park type movie because it's purely for entertainment. It's self-referential. It's paying homage to everything. Um, all, all the time, you know, there's all of these references to other pop culture things. And so that, it, that in and of itself makes it like you're going to Disneyland or going to, you know, some big amusement park. Um, I think that the uh, story overall about kind of the message of, of pursuing what you want and who you want to be, I think is a, kind of a cool message for little kids and um, very, very uh, universal. Nothing. It's playing it pretty safe there. It's nothing really groundbreaking there. 
but I think that is even maybe more interesting than the original Space Jam because the original Space Jam was more or less just about how cool Michael Jordan was. Uh, and I mean, like it didn't have, it didn't really attempt to have some sort of like moral to that story. Um, and this I think maybe does a little bit more. And again, it's been a little bit since I've seen the original Space Jam, but um, this had fun moments. Again, it's, it's hard to, cr to criticize it too much because, you know, it's, I don't it's think what it is. Yeah. It's just what it is. And I don't think that it's trying to do anything uh, too groundbreaking. One thing that I will say is Don Cheadle is fun to watch. Yep. In this, and I, I respect that he's just kind of hamming it up and he like is playing the, part you know he's just like going going for it in this role and i like that so i got i gotta say uh frankly don Cheadle almost feels like the star of the show yes um he gets a lot of screen time and um like this this setup largely kind of sits on on what he is doing and um and so yeah he gets to do some interesting things uh, it doesn't use his acting abilities at all because the script is not good enough to really highlight him, but he's clearly having fun doing this. And I think that that makes it extra fun. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like if you're going to highlight like one person uh, that, that he's the person to highlight, like even though LeBron James is clearly like build as the star of this movie and it kind of surrounds him and in, in terms of being the hero um it it definitely i feel like don Cheadle kind of steals the show and, and lebron james is fine in this he's not a good actor at all mm -hmm. uh, he has no business being a good actor they make they even make a joke in there about how athletes are they don't they don't translate well to to acting and um i i appreciate the fact that uh, everybody's willing to poke fun at themselves in this movie and um it, and yeah it's it's just very it's meta and and uh it, it understands exactly what it is trying to do um frankly it's a giant commercial for the brand of warner brothers or at the very least it's a flex uh to show just how um they they own some of the greatest franchises in in cinema history uh and it really made me think about that because um you don't always think that these are all owned by a certain company i think disney does a really good job of attaching their name to their franchises but warner brothers owns nearly as many if not more uh kind of historically popular franchises mm -hmm. and this is quite a flex of that and they do some really funny things uh that that go along with that they are kind of idiotic um, in the yeah. way they play out but i found myself laughing a whole lot throughout this this movie yeah there's it's kind of i'm torn too with it because to some degree you're kind of like i i've enjoyed the harry potter franchise i've enjoyed Game of Thrones, uh, you know, and like all the things that fall under that Warner Brothers uh, property, but or uh, business, I I just same time it's it is a reminder to me that we are becoming 
more and more beholden to a couple major companies and that are making the biggest movies right now. And of course that they're not the only filmmakers in the, um, in the industry, obviously, but they're the ones that make up the most amount of revenue when it comes to the box office. And so that is what concerns me. Ironically, this is a movie that is probably going to underperform big time at the box office. Um, I believe I heard that the movie, I think, cost $150 million to make, which is significant. That's, that's uh, about 60 million or so or 70 million short of like a star wars movie you know so i mean like that's a it's in and just to put that into perspective like a straight drama um probably gets about a budget of 20 million dollars uh for like an indie drama nowadays and so this is pretty huge budget and i, I don't remember what you told me the you said when we watched it what it was performing in terms of the box office but i can't remember i think uh after opening day it made about 13 million at the box office um which is pretty good con comparing it to uh in the heights which is also a warner brothers release which only made a very very small amount that opening weekend and has basically dropped off um and i think it's kind of met its it's a uh, ceiling. Um, this movie probably has a little bit longer legs than that. I would be surprised. Yeah, but I would be very surprised if it could make its money back, um, considering that uh, it is an HBO Max release. Um, and I think this brings us back to our conversation that we keep coming back to week in, week out. Um, but this is the sort of movie that feels like could bring subscribers into HBO Max. Um, and, and so it'd be interesting to see if leading up to this week and into this week and into next week, if HBO has like a, a spike in number of subscribers, um, specifically because of this movie. I'd be interested to see. I, I, I again, because I don't, I'm not super in touch with what families think in terms of how they appeal with or this stuff appeals to them. I mean, that would be where I would see the most growth happening. Um, but I don't know. We'll, we'll see where that goes. I can't imagine it. For some reason, it doesn't seem likely that it will have a lot of new subscribers from just based on this movie, but they did market the crap out of it. And if you're paying $150 million for basically a giant, commercial of your brand if that's all it is maybe it's worth it in the end because yep. you're investing in getting your brand out there so i don't know um again like that that stuff also feels sort of you know gross to me that that, <laughs> that it's all doing that but at the same time i guess that's just a part of the whole film industry business you know yep Yep. Yeah. It's a, this is an interesting, interesting take and cause it's not trying to hide at all what it's doing. And, uh, and um, yeah, I, in a way I kind of respect it, but at the same time, it is disgusting to know that, uh, that we are every day getting closer and closer to like 10 companies owning everything. Right. Um, and so, yeah. Um, anyway, 
I can't recommend this as a great film, um, but uh, it, it is the sort of film that I presume that that specifically kids that like LeBron James, like the Looney Tunes, like basketball, um, they, I, I think that they'll have fun with this. Uh, and so if you have a family, um, subscribe to HBO Max at the very least and uh, I, watch this together. I, I, I think that you can have fun as an entire family watching this movie. Yeah. And I think it is good for a family and especially young, younger kids who, you know, they, this can be like how we feel about the original Space Jam, just the nostalgia of it and um, remembering kind of iconic music from that. Um, I hope that other kids kind of get that same experience from this. Yep. All right. So when we come back from this break um, with the Olympics starting up next weekend, uh, we thought it'd be fun um, in coordination with Space Jam, A New Legacy, to count down our five favorite sports movies uh, of all time um, and have a little bit of discussion about that uh, and kind of opening things up a little bit more um, from what we've had in the last few weeks. Um, So when we come back from this break, we will be talking about those movies. Stay right there. All right, and we are back. Uh, Our last part of the show today is talking about Um, movies, sports movies that we think are the greatest of all time. I think this is a really pretty popular uh, discussion that has been happening for many, many years um, because there is just this uh, connection to sports movies for a a lot of people um, because they are very inspirational a lot of times and generally they, they just get you kind of in that emotional place. Um, and so uh, I think this is a really fun discussion. Um, I had a lot of fun researching this and kind of going back and, and revisiting um, some of the, the different sports movies that there are. And there are a ton of sports movies that I really, really like. Um, and so being able to uh, narrow it down to just five was a difficult task for me. Um, in fact, I narrowed it down to seven that are kind of the seven that I felt separated themselves from the rest. Um, and so I just want to uh, talk about two movies, or I just want to mention two movies that didn't make my list, but I really loved. Um, one is the film Miracle, which is kind of fun that we have this to talk about here, um, simply because it is in the Olympic film, um, and it's about the Olympics. And I think I appreciate it maybe a little bit more simply because it is a hockey movie, um, and that's not a sport that I follow that much, but kind of gives me um, an interest in that sport uh, that I, I wouldn't probably have otherwise. But I really love Miracle. The other one is is a league of their own. Um, I absolutely love a league of their own. I really wanted to include it in my top five, but it just barely got booted out of that top five. Um, and it just has a great cast. It's fun. I've seen this movie so many times. Um, and, uh, I, I presume a lot of people really, really, really love this movie, a league of their own. 
Um, I had a lot of trouble with my list, partially because there's a lot of movies that I still haven't seen that are really good sports movies I know of. But then there was a lot that it's just been a long time since I've seen them. So I wasn't totally comfortable putting them in my honorable mentions or anything like that. And so I actually want to do a quick just list of the ones that I still have not seen. I've seen parts of these movies, but I, I it's some of them I haven't seen any of, but uh, number one on my list is Seabiscuit. Still haven't seen all of Seabiscuit. The Natural, uh, I've seen kind of the famous scene from The Natural, but I, I haven't seen the whole movie. Uh, the Fighter, again, I've seen parts of this movie, but not all of it. The Wrestler, The Way Back, which was a movie that came out a couple years ago with uh, Ben Affleck, and it's made by uh, a director who's going to be on my list uh, for my top one of my top sports movies. Um, the movie Million, Million Dollar Baby is on that list for me. And then Free Solo was one, a documentary that uh, won Best Documentary, I believe, two years ago. Uh, I think it was, I think it might've been a, another year beyond that, but yeah, it could, okay. it could have been two years ago. But I haven't seen that either. That one seemed really interesting to me. It's about rock climbing. Um, and, and, uh, that those are all ones that I know are pretty highly loved and I just haven't gotten to. Uh, but with that, I'm going to start us off with, uh, my number five pick and a big reason why I'm picking this is because it is a really nostalgic movie for me. And that is Remember the Titans from 2000, directed by Boaz Yakin. And one thing that I really like about this movie is it does, even though none of these actors, except with the exception of Denzel Washington, are big time actors, it really feels such an ensemble movie. You get a sense of all of the different personalities of the team. I like the, uh, I like movies where you get to see like that team grow and seeing how they grow as a group with tension at certain parts of the season, but then become a cohesive group by the end of the season. I really like that aspect to the story. And um, just in terms of like the drama of a story telling about uh, a, a football team, um, I think that it does that part of uh, a, a, what I think good sports movies need to have is that uh, the excitement of the game itself. There's a lot of sports movies that sport plays a role in them, but they don't end up like focusing on that sport as part of the actual story. There's some other, like maybe it's the person themselves that the story dives deep into. And so I think Remember the Titans is a good one because it, the sport is the focus of the movie itself. Um, what do you think about Remember the Titans? I know this is also a, a favorite of yours. Um, I am not going to say anything about this right now and I'm going to leave it at that for the time okay. being, all right? Okay. Um, so my number five movie is the film Seabiscuit, uh, 2003 Seabiscuit, uh, directed by Gary, Gary Ross and uh, starring Tobey Maguire, Jeff Bridges, Chris Cooper and Elizabeth Banks. And this movie for me, um, it, coming around in the year 2003, uh, I was really, really gaining an appreciation for film at this time. Um, and 
kind of really developing my opinion of movies just being really good. Um, Seabiscuit is just one of those types of movies um, where on the surface, you wouldn't necessarily expect it to be some great film. But this was nominated for Best Picture. Um, and so it is a high quality film um, about a sport that we often don't really um, see many movies about. Uh, this isn't something that the average sports fan is a huge fan of. Um, and I think this movie gave me a love for horse racing that I didn't have previously. Um, and even though I'm not as big of a fan of horse race, racing as I used to be, um, there is kind of this special place in my heart for it. And I have a lot of that 202 Seabiscuit. Um, just, just, I think the, the way that it, it sits in a, historical point in time this depression era uh where um people needed a feel-good story um and this horse comes along and gives something for people to feel good about um and these people that surround um making sea biscuit this winning horse um it's just a really really cool story um that had that that was a platform for fantastic performances. And um, so, yeah, this is just kind of a good marriage between great, a great sports movie and uh, frankly, great cinema. Yeah. The one thing that I think about with Seabiscuit and a big draw for me is I like Toby Maguire as an actor a lot. And he's one that I wish didn't uh, kind of, he's, I mean, he's made stuff, here and there in the last few years um but like he's he's not anywhere near as big of a presence as he was and i mean he's not like the best of the best but i think that he's one of these actors that can kind of play everyday normal guyness pretty well and um i think that's the type of actor that i i really like in some ways is somebody who can be subtle when he needs to be subtle and i think this is this is one of those people so that's a big draw for me and seeing Seabiscuit. And that's the reason why it's my number one uh, sports movie to, to watch that I still haven't seen. Um, one thing um, I'm going to say before I'm going to let you go on is go that uh, there is a movie coming out this year um, that was at Sundance called Jockey. Um, and this is also a horse racing movie. And uh, it's very, very good as well. Um, and so if you are a fan of these horse racing movies i never saw secretariat but um uh, i would highly recommend jockey as kind of a companion piece to to see biscuit cool yeah, and i haven't seen jockey but i remember you telling me that that was a pretty standout movie from sundance so um my number four pick is another football movie um and that is friday night lights peter berg's 2004 friday night lights uh, another reason why I think, you know, I, I think with sports movies, a lot of times it's fun, like the performances can be a big draw for me. And so uh, Billy Bob Thornton's performance in this is, is a draw for me. He's again, a, a, an actor who is not really a, a big star, but I really like in most of the things that I see him in. And I also like 
these sports movies where it doesn't give you the triumphant ending in the way that you are expecting it. I think that's a, a something that generally, I mean, it happens quite a bit in these, in many sports movies is there isn't, there's a bittersweetness to the end of, of a lot of good sports movies. Um, and a lot of my favorites, the team, the, the team you follow or the player you follow doesn't come out on top. Um, and this is one that I find super interesting, but the other thing that makes this movie super special is it has a unique cinema, uh, cinema, cinematography that, um, feels very, uh, grounded and it feels documentarian in the way that it's made it it is handheld shaky it's got a grittiness to it that kind of is in uh in line with that kind of um the the culture of football in this small texas town that is kind of gruff and hard, rough around the edges a little bit at times and then the score of this movie uh which the band is escaping me right now, but you can explosions in the sky, explosions in the sky. Uh, I, I think in terms of a, a score that is not your typical kind of orchestral um, arrangement, this is a, is probably an upper tier score for me that is unique in uh, it being more band focused garage band focused where it's, these electric guitars and with ambient kind of uh, high pitched strings and on the guitar. And I, I really like that element to the story as well. Um, I'm not sure if you have this on your list, but what do you think of Friday night lights? I do not have this on my list. Um, I, I've only seen Friday night lights once and I saw it on the theaters when it was a brand new movie. And so to be completely honest, um, I do not have enough uh, recent exposure to this film to be a great um, judge of it. Um, I did absolutely love the TV series that's based on this. Um, it's probably one of my favorite TV series of all time. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, the things that I remember most from Friday Night Lights, the movie is uh, the way it looks. Definitely the cinematography is unique in the way that it is represented, um, where it does kind of have more of a raw feel to it, where, yeah, you're right, it at times feels very, very real. Um, and then, yeah, that score, that score by Explosions in the Sky. I'm a huge fan of the band Explosions of the Sky um, because of just their unique sound. Um, and uh, they... When, when you hear explosions in the sky, you often think about uh, Friday Night Lights. And so that, that shows just how um, much of a part of the, that movie that that score actually is. Um, so I think this is a, a good pick. And um, th this is a movie that I should probably revisit, something that uh, I, I should sit down and, and watch again now that I'm older and probably have a different appreciation for it. Um, so my number four film is a, a movie that probably very, very few people have seen. Um, it is a documentary from 2010 called Senna. Um, and it is a documentary about a Brazilian Formula One driver named Ariton Senna. And he 
um, won the F1 World Championship three times, and then he died at the age of 34. Um, and so this uh, documentary just kind of documents uh, his success up to his death. And um, it's a story that because I'm not a big race car fan, um, I just, I, I didn't know anything about it. Um, and in fact, this was a movie that, that got a ton of praise when it came out and it took me forever to see it. Um, and a, a few years back, I just decided, you know what, I'm going to watch this. And I was really on the edge of my seat, the entire documentary. And there aren't a lot of documentaries where the intrigue level uh, keeps you engaged the entire time. And this is just one of those movies, despite knowing what happened, sort of. Mm -hmm. I mean, you kind of have this idea of what's going to happen. Um, and I think that probably adds a little bit to uh, the way you feel as you were watching this. Um, but uh, in a way, this movie kind of reminds me of, um, now I can't think of what the, the uh, movie is about the guy in South Africa who, or the guy who was really famous in South Africa, the musician. Um, uh, searching for Sugarman. Yes, uh, Searching for Sugarman. Uh, uh, and it's just because it's this intriguing story that just doesn't feel like there's, there was this, uh, prominence in the news about um and uh just something that we don't know a whole hell of a lot about and uh, uh i i am really intrigued by those types of stories those kind of like hidden um really unique uh real life stories and so i highly recommend uh watching senna uh if if you haven't seen it yeah it was one that actually i still haven't seen it and when I was researching different sports movies uh, to come up with this list, I, it was one that showed up on a ton of people's lists of favorite sports movies and one I didn't have any knowledge of. So I'm excited to, to watch it at some point. Um, right now, my number three pick is from 1976, and that is Rocky. Um, so a huge reason that I, I like this movie so much is not only because it's become kind of it has a legacy following this story and and to be honest the subsequent films have been pretty good and at least in being a variation of the initial story um and but the thing that i again like about this is it has a lot of heart and so much of that comes from the characterization and i think this is a lot of, sylvester stallone is a, a, an actor who you know, I think sometimes people kind of just write him off as being just kind of a generic action star and all those things, but he wrote this movie and got it made, you know what I mean? And like, I think that is so interesting because he brought this character to life and Rocky's a character that we can kind of, you know, like, I think everybody kind of sees this as a fully realized person in some ways. It's almost a historical figure in the, in the way that there is an actual statue of Rocky Balboa that exists in uh, Philadelphia. You know, like this is a very iconic character. And again, this is a story about somebody who's an underdog, who you follow them through their journey to success. And even when they do not come out on top, 
the victory is that journey getting to that place, you know, and, and surviving in the way that he does in the way that that's to make that story still feel so triumphant at the end, even though he doesn't technically win the match is big props to the writing of the movie. Um, and so like, I, I just think in terms of Sylvester Stallone being kind of written off, seeing him as this guy who made this happen is pretty cool. And then all of the iconic music that comes from Rocky is, is a big draw for me and in terms of what makes this a, a really, really special movie. My top three uh, were ones that I switched around. So this was one that for a while I was like, was this my favorite sports movie? And so I actually moved it down to three. So this is where it gets really tight for me. Uh, but this is one I, I really like. What do, what do you think about Rocky? Um, Rocky is a great movie. It's iconic. Um, it's one of the great franchises of all time. Um, and uh, I think this is a really good pick. I do not have it on my list. Um, and uh, the fact that you chose this, I think, uh, also shines a light a little bit on I've mentioned this prior to this show, but um, I tend to kind of hug those movies that are more 21st century movies. Um, and I, I struggle often to kind of mix um, the older movies with newer movies. But I think that um, Rocky is considered to be one of the greatest sports movies of all time. And it's deservingly so um, because it, it, Basically, everyone who watches movies knows Rocky, and uh, very, very few people do not like Rocky. Um, so I think this is a, a very deserving pick here at number three. Um, my number three movie is um, probably a little bit less about the actual sport and more just about an, an interesting story. And it is 2017's I, Tonya. Um, we've talked about I, Tonya, uh, a couple times on this show. Um, and the main reason that I include this is it's just a very, very unique film. Um, you take a real person who is essentially a um, American villain and, uh, make a sports movie about this person um, in, in specifically a sport that there just aren't a lot of movies about ice skating. Um, and so it, it's a unique uh, original film. And uh, the, the way this movie is made is one of the most original movies probably of the last 10 years. Um, the director, Craig Gillespie, he also directed um, a film called Lars and the Real Girl, which I really, really love. And he's just a really, really interesting uh, filmmaker. Um, and, and so, yeah, I, I absolutely love this. Starring Margot Robbie, um, Allison Janney, um, and Sebastian Stan. Uh, yeah, it, this is just a, a great film. Um, and yeah, it may be probably out of all the movies we discussed, it probably has uh, the least amount of sports action because it's really about this person more than anyone else. Um, but uh, yeah, I absolutely loved I, Tanya and, and felt like I, I had to include it on this list. 
Um, I was really close to putting this on my list. Ultimately, the reason why I didn't was it wasn't quite enough of a sports movie for me to get it on my list. It is definitely like the ice skating sport is prominent in the movie, obviously, but it's the drama to me comes mostly between the characters and the fallout of what happens following her kind of career as an, as an ice skater. And so um, I agree with you. In, in a lot of ways, this is maybe a movie I like even more than the movies that I have on my list. It, I might think it's an overall better movie, but just in terms of it being a sports movie, I didn't in, include it on my list. Um, it's funny that I feel like I, Tanya is a movie that we talk about a lot on this show. And it makes me think about, is this a movie that when it came out, I didn't give enough attention for how memorable it is and how, I mean, think from a writing standpoint, it's, I think, almost perfect. I think that the screenplay is fantastic. The performances are great. The way that they decide to edit the movie is good. Um, I think the direction is strong. Um, it is, there's very little to complain about I, Tanya. Um, so if you haven't seen I, Tanya, I know it's not on my list. I would recommend you see it. Yeah this, yeah, this movie, yeah, we talk about the screenplay for this movie and it didn't get nominated for best uh, screenplay and it, it should have. It was, it, it, it is an amazing screenplay. It should have been nominated and I can't remember what won um, for that year. It might've been, I see. I don't know if this is an adapted screenplay. I think it is. I think it's an adapted screenplay because it's based off of something. Um, and that would, would have been the 2019 Oscar. So uh, maybe Green Book or it might have been. I don't remember if Green Book got. Yeah. Anyway. So but this was a better this was a better um, uh, screenplay should have won. Um, Margot Robbie got nominated. She didn't end up winning for best actress in that year. That was my favorite performance um, from an actress. Uh, I, Allison Janney did win for best supporting actress, um, but then this film also got nominated for best editing and the editing in this film is fantastic. This film does not, uh, isn't as good without the editing that it has um, because there's a lot of quick shots that move back and forth and um, the way that they, they, kind of show ice skate the ice skating part of it um relies heavily on the way that the the film is edited so mm -hmm. yes go see i tanya if you haven't seen it yet um it, it is a fantastic film all right go ahead you can so this is two this is a movie that i had at number one and i moved down to number two because my number two which became my number one was just that good but my number two pick official pick is warrior from 2011 and that's the Gav but directed by Gavin O'Connor who um has done other things but I, I think he did uh the movie Now You See Me which came out in like the mid 2010s um but Warrior is a movie that came out around a time period that I was getting very into uh following movies and I was early high school for me and um I was primarily drawn in by the acting in this movie when I saw it for the first time. And Joel Edgerton, Tom Hardy, and Nick Nolte, get, all three give fantastic performances. And I think that this, in terms of a sports movie, 
it is probably the most drama heavy sports movie uh that um we have a lot of these sports movies are very feel good and there are feel good moments to this movie but it is heavily leans into the drama because the sun the, the basic synopsis is you have two brothers who are entering a um mma style fighting contest that is uh they both have different motivations for ent entering this contest. And then they're pitted against each other um, throughout that contest. And their father plays a role in, in between them and that tension that exists between them is so um, engaging. And the, just the premise alone and seeing how that is carried out throughout the movie makes this such an interesting story. I also will say that a huge part of why I, I love this movie is it features two songs by The National um, at the beginning of the movie and at the end of the movie. And that's a band I really love, but tonally it fits this story so well and the way that they tell this story. And so um, I, I was a big fan of this movie. It's one I haven't seen in a while, but I I'm, want to get back to seeing it at some point. What do you think? Um, I'm... I'm a little embarrassed because uh, when you were talking about Rocky, this movie popped into my head and I just completely neglected to even think about this movie. And I love this movie. So I am so thankful that you put this on your list. Um, it, it probably, I'm looking at my list. It, it for sure would be honorable mention, but it very well might be in my top five um, because it is an absolutely brilliant film that caught me completely off guard because never in a million years that I think that a movie about uh, UFC <laughs> would be a movie that I would love. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was just one of the best movies of that year. Um, and yes, it's because the tone is just right. It has three fantastic performances at its core. It's really a family drama movie, um, but it, it uses the sport of ultimate fighting to um, kind of tell this really great story. Um, and it, I, this is the sort of movie that I feel that I could recommend to nearly every person, nearly everyone that doesn't hate good good cinema um, will love this movie. Yeah. Um, and it's I feel like it's been a little bit hard for me to get people to watch this movie um, just because I think if you're not a fan of ultimate fighting, then it makes it uh, really hard to buy in and be like, yeah, I want to watch this movie. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, yes, I am so thankful you put this on this, li this list because I'm glad that we get a chance to talk about it and highlight this. Um, and I, it kind of adds to the theme that I had been doing here of uh, different sports that aren't your classic sports um, that they make movies about. Uh, like we, we've highlighted a lot of different different sports that uh, aren't necessarily um, like when, when you think of sports movies, everybody goes immediately to football and baseball and mm -hmm. basketball. Um, and, and there are a lot of other great movies about sports that aren't your typical movie. And so, yeah, at, uh, at number two, I think this is a great movie. Um, so, so thank you for putting it on your list. 
Um, my number two movie uh, is also probably going to spoil my number one movie here, uh, but uh, my number two movie is 2011's uh, Moneyball. And I, I, <laughs> I just absolutely love this movie. And every single time I uh, go back and watch it, I love it a little bit more. And that is pretty wild. Um, this is a movie directed by Bennett Miller. Um, it has a screenplay that is co-written by Aaron Sorkin and Steven Zylan, who wrote uh, like Schindler's List and a lot of <laughs> really, really good screenplays. And so the fact that two of the greatest screenwriters in cinema history uh, came together to write this, I think makes it pretty fantastic. Um, and it is also based off of a Michael Lewis book and Michael Lewis has written a lot of great stories. Um, and uh, it is at its core about what I think makes baseball really special and that it is such a numbers game and it changed the way that the entire league thought about baseball during this time so as a huge baseball fan um this one just hit the right spot and i think it does a really really great job of mixing um the actual sport of baseball with kind of that numbers side but also uh really just highlighting that you know these athletes are more than somebody to just entertain you and um that that they're people and that ultimately sports is really a um a, a, about these individuals and kind of the extraordinary things that they do and um how when it comes to team sports you you all play your role um and so brad pitt's fantastic as billy bean um jonah hill does a really great job kind of making that transition from being a comedic actor to being a more serious actor um love the fact that uh chris pratt is in this um kind of in a more serious role mm -hmm. uh and then philip seymour hoffman as always is good um and yeah i i absolutely love this movie i almost put it as my number one movie um, and I kind of went back and forth between my number one and number two movie here. So Moneyball is my number two movie. Well, it is my number one movie. So uh, did you think it was going to maybe be on my list? Well, I, I wondered if it would be on your list. Yeah, I, it's, it is, I think, a, actually a screenplay that it's probably pretty underrated. I mean, it, like, it is sort of a, like, if it's kind of like a Malcolm Gladwell meets baseball movie. You know what I mean? It's just so it, it is, is intellectual at a level, but it doesn't go too far in being pretentious. It's just as interesting. It's historical. It's got uh, enough. This is an interesting mix between the main people in the story aren't the players, but the sport itself still creates drama yeah. You know what I mean? And that I think makes it really interesting. You, you're rooting for the guy who had the idea for the team to work, not for any individual player. And yes, Chris Pratt plays a role in, in making he's that player that you kind of hang on to, to, to really create drama for the story. But I just, I, I, 
really appreciate when a movie can give me new insight about something that I thought I already understood to some degree. And it made me look at this sport of baseball in a totally new way. Um, And any movie that can do that about anything is really good. But in terms of a sport movie and baseball being such a kind of iconic everyday part of our culture, and then to kind of have a new understanding of it, I think is really cool. And again, not to echo too much of what you said, but I just want to say, I think this is a really good Brad Pitt performance. I think that he is not, uh, it's under, it's, it's subtle enough and it's, it's uh, not, you know, too kind of just bland or anything. There's drama that actually occurs within the story. He actually gets to act in it. It's not, some of these Brad Pitt roles where he's just kind of like in the background, you know, and just kind of, Oh, that's Brad Pitt in this movie. He's playing a character in this story, I think. And I I really liked that element of, of this story. Um, I didn't know that it was, I knew it was Aaron Sorkin, but I didn't know that this other writer um, who'd written these other screenplays like Schindler list had, was a part of it, but that's no surprise to me because I think it's a really good story. Um, Yeah. 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 Uh, Go kind of go back to Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt, I think he, I think he's a better actor than we probably give him credit for. I know he's a popular actor, um, but some of his better performances probably are more understated performances, and that's one of these performances. He got nominated for this movie for Best Actor. Um, the movie got nominated for Best Picture. Um, Jonah Hill got nominated for Best Supporting Actor. Um, it got a lot of nom- Oscar nominations, um, and like that's that's pretty cool. Like this is you don't you don't get sports movies very often that kind of get a bunch of nominations across the board. Um, and this is it's just like kind of the perfect storm to uh sort of marry two of my favorite things movies and uh baseball um, <laughs> and it, the, the film looks fantastic too uh bennett miller is a really good director um and probably doesn't get his uh as much credit as he should i never saw fox catcher which is another sports movie um but i i would presume it that movie's pretty good um and they also made capote um which is a great movie um and yeah I, I just think he's a i think he's a really good director and has a good vision and this movie does some cool things with cinematography um that gives us a little bit of different perspective i think it's very personal um in the way that it is filmed uh the score is very good um yeah it just it oh, as an all-around movie, it, it has just about everything that I like in a movie. Well, and I also, a thing that I like about Bennett Miller's movies is that he's taking figures that you could know of. If you were, you know, in the sports scene, you might know who Billy Bean was. You know, if you knew about wrestling, you might know about the coach in the Foxcatcher movie. But, like, he makes them – he he allows you to see them at a critical point in their life, you know, and the decisions they make and um, the character that he is allowed is able to show you. And obviously the performances are a huge part of that with each one of those, I think being pretty good performances, Steve Carell's might be a little um, strange at times, uh, but that's by design in, in the character in Foxcatcher. But I think that 
Ben and Miller is, is a good director. And that's why The Way Back, which is the Ben Affleck movie that he, I believe, directed as well, is one that I wanted to catch up with because I, it was one that was on a lot of lists when I, I was looking at sports movies and I saw it and like, mm, that seems interesting, but it felt maybe a little generic, but seems like it could, could, be, could be worthwhile to check out. Yeah, definitely. Well, I sort of spoiled uh, this for, for our countdown, but my number one movie is Remember the Titans. Um, and to be completely honest, this is more of a nostalgic pick than anything. Uh, I think it is a great movie, obviously. You included it on your list as well. Um, but th- there are very few things that you can say about this movie that are bad. <laughs> um, it just it has great performances across the board. Just about everybody in this movie puts on a good performance. Um, it relies on a lot of different characters to kind of um, balance the entire movie out. And in sort of the same way um, that I'd say a movie like Ted or a show like Ted Lasso, uh, mm-hmm. where it relies very, very heavily on the ensemble. You kind of mentioned this previously that even though this is technically kind of a Denzel Washington movie, um, it's more about the full ensemble uh, performance in order to make this this work. Um, and it has everything that you want in a kind of sports uh, inspirational type of movie. Um, it also sits uh, during a historic period of time where race is a huge part of this story. And so um, there is a, a, a kind of social justice uh, perspective to this film that kind of gives it that extra um push toward being a a special film um and it it's pretty incredible this is a true story like just Mm -hmm. the that they overcame all these things to be this fantastic team um but probably one of the things that i love most about this movie is the soundtrack the soundtrack is amazing and anytime i hear songs from that soundtrack uh independent it makes me think of this movie um, and that that says a lot about the way that they kind of constructed the soundtrack to fit the time period with just really great songs. And um, yeah, uh, I just, I, I love this movie and I can watch it over and over and over and over again and I will never get sick of it. Um, and uh, it probably is one of those movies that I have watched more than just about any mo- other movie. I think I saw this movie like two or three times in the movie theaters when it came out. Um, it's been a long time since I've seen movies multiple times in the movie theater. Um, but uh, yeah, this is this is kind of this came out also in the, that, the early 2000s um, when I was going to see a lot more movies uh, and uh, kind of around that same time as like Ocean's Eleven. And so these, these movies, they, they're good, um, but they have kind of a nostalgic place in my heart. Um, and uh, as I became a lover of, of film. One thing that I'll say about I know I already talked about it, but remember the Titans is kind of the quintessential sports movie. It's not, it's not trying to do anything that is super groundbreaking in the genre of sports movies, but it does everything that you want a sports movie to do. And it does it really well. It's also, I would say there's some like good, obviously some good drama in the movie, but it's also kind of a funny movie. A lot of the time, like I like the, um, 
the Ryan Gosling in this movie is is exciting that he, this is like one of his early movies yeah. and then he becomes a big star from this but um I like the the scenes where they're kind of the banter between the teammates and all of that I like that aspect of the movie and I don't know it, it's one that I probably I've, I've seen more recent recently um just happened to watch it in the last like two three years but um, is one that if it is like on TV or if I happen to see a scene of it somewhere, I'm going to watch that full scene or watch it on TV if I happen to see it. So um, yeah, it's a nostalgic one for me because of how much you loved it too when you, when you saw it for the first time. So um, I just, I do want to uh, just say that I appreciate the fact that we had this conversation and that uh, we didn't necessarily um include a bunch of the like super classic movies that people consider and i'll remember the titans is maybe considered more of a classic but um there's some others out there that uh, a lot of are, are on a lot of lists like rudy and hoosiers and um uh what's now what's the baseball movie uh the natural well no they're not not the natural um why can I not think of what the baseball movie is? No, I'm struggling. The one that takes place in Iowa. Um, oh, The Rookie? No. Uh, I, I'm going to get it before the end of our show here. But um, I, I kind of just appreciate the fact that um, that we, we didn't feel the need to fall in line with kind of what are considered some of the greatest sports movies of all time. And uh, like that, I think brings greater conversation. Like I was talking about with like Warrior, that's a movie that uh, a lot of people probably have not seen. Um, and, you know, it deserves to, to be a part of, of that conversation. Mm -hmm. um, one movie that might be included in there would be like The Sandlot. That wasn't what I was oh. thinking, but um, uh, Field of Dreams, Field of Dreams. Oh. Um, yeah, like that Field of Dreams is often considered like the greatest sports movie of all time. And, uh, but uh, it's great. I love that movie, but it's still, um, I hate to say it, a little overrated mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and doesn't do the say doesn't do for me what some of these other movies um, actually they, that they actually do um, and clearly I couldn't remember the name of it so it doesn't have a uh, a huge impression on me but uh, yeah that I I'm glad that we were able to kind of come up with some unique movies here that uh, hopefully people listening, Maybe you haven't seen some of these movies or maybe they're movies that you haven't seen in a while and want to revisit. Um, and as we head into the Olympics uh, and we're, we're watching events, um, maybe fun to kind of pull some of these sports movies back out and watch some of them. Like Warriors, a movie I'd like to watch again. Um, haven't seen it in a while. I'd actually like to watch Seabiscuit again. Haven't watched that in a while. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I enjoyed this this week. Uh, sports movies are fun. Um, and I also think I also think it's one that a lot of people uh, it, it they are ones that a lot of people tend to see, and it brings people to the theaters often. I would say so. If there's ones that you know we missed or maybe we just weren't thinking of that you guys come up with, let us know, and 
we'll try to highlight some of those maybe in the future. Yeah, for sure. Um, that does it for today's show. I do want to kind of highlight what the next couple of weeks are going to look like and then what we have on the docket for August. That could always change depending on uh, just availability and stuff like that. But um, uh, right now, the next couple of weeks, we are going to move back to our Wes Anderson Marathon um, this upcoming weekend of the July 25th date is going to be the life aquatic with steve zizu uh the following following week we're going to do the darjeeling limited which that will be august 1st um on august 8th right now we have the green knight um kind of penciled in there as the film that we will highlight um the next week we're going to go back to our wes anderson uh marathon uh august 15th and do fantastic mr fox um, August 22nd, we're going to do a double feature that week that, that really makes sense to me. Um, that is the week that Annette is supposed to hit, uh, Amazon prime. It will have already hit the theaters prior to that. Um, we're going to do Annette and then we're going to do the Sparks brothers, uh, documentary and kind of do a double feature because I think that fits nicely together. Um, and then we will plan on closing out the month of August with, uh, another Wes Anderson film, Moonrise Kingdom, on August 29th. So right now, that's kind of what the docket looks like. Um, that may change based upon uh, kind of what, what comes about. Uh, this not being our full-time life <laughs> um, can change things from time to time. So um, that is the plan for now. Uh, until next week, I hope you all have a great week. Um, and go see some movies. See Pig. I want you to see Pig. Go see Pig. All right. Bye. See ya. Thank you.